This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI Audio's on air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boy, great week of stuff on the show. But of course, I'm biased and always say that to you. Wherever you're listening in, thanks for being with us. We'll give you some ideas uh, in a little while how you can reach out to the program, how you can get involved. We always love to hear from you. Also love to hear from Brock Richardson. He's been joining me the last few days here on the program. Uh, Sir, welcome. How's your Thursday shaping up? It would be kind of weird if you said anything other than things have been good on the program because, you know, as you host your own show, it would would be, you know, you got to be a little biased. Things are good for me. I've uh, been a busy week uh, wrapping up with the Kelly and Company team today, but had a lot of fun, learned a lot of stuff. And what you say quite regularly about checking into class holds true every single time I get the opportunity to do this. Class is in. So I'm curious. Uh, we'll talk a little bit later on on the roundtable about um, you guys and your nervousness yet for the video podcast of The Neutral Zone, uh, which you guys will record next uh, Tuesday. No, t- a week from, excuse me, I did this the other day, Monday for uh, the Tuesday um, after. So a week from this Tuesday, the first time we'll hear it on AMI-audio, and it will drop as soon as possible uh, as a video podcast. Uh, are, are y'all getting the nerves, or will that happen later? Well, actually, we are doing, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit, we are doing a mock episode uh a week from tomorrow uh before we uh kick it off for real so we'll get to see some of the elements but yeah there is a bit of nerves i think i've been kind of lucky in being able to work with camera with dave and know where to look and where to do so hopefully it's gonna be flowing but i know that the rest of my gang are kind of like this is new for us so we'll see we'll see how it goes but really looking forward to the different visual elements that will be associated with the program oh you got a flalo to work with as he was speaking fine words on your final episode last friday here on ami audio people can check that out as a podcast giving a bit of insight pulling i guess you said uh, the curtain back a little bit um who's your guest on that trial run Andy uh, Frank? on on the trial run, I think we're just going to do a uh, one of us will step in as the yes. trial guest. Maybe I'll use Claire uh, coming off of her uh, world world championship. There, we'll we'll do that. But as mentioned, our first official guest is uh, Karen O'Neill, who leads the charge over there at the Canadian Paralympic Committee. And that's the one we will see, the one that will be uploaded in a couple of weeks, folks. So keep your ears open as uh, as those guys get geared up, as we get geared up over here for video podcasts that are, are already out and uh, getting really good buzz around them. Let's take a look at what we've got coming up today on Kelly and Company. Susan Kearney joins us in a little while to talk about some familiar tasks that have to be done in your late summer garden. We'll talk to Terry Hodnot about how the Canadian Adaptive Climbing Society creates and provides the opportunity for all people 
with and without disabilities to access climbing. Absolutely fantastic. That's going to be really engaging, folks. We have our weekly roundtable in the second hour of the program. Matt Spears, he is going to be joining us. You hear his voice as one of the readers right here on AMI-audio. You hear him sometimes bouncing around with us on the weekly roundtable. Health Canada, ladies and gentlemen, has authorized the first Omicron-specific vaccine. Uh, We've been waiting for this, of course, for COVID-19. Chief Medical Advisor Dr. Supriya Sharma says the vaccine targets both the original virus and the first Omicron variant and is both safe and effective at extending immunity to COVID-19. But the Moderna booster authorized in Canada is not the one targeting the most current strains of Omicron. The United States authorized those vaccines from Moderna and Pfizer on Wednesday. Sharma says Health Canada expects the companies to submit those versions for approval here within two weeks. In the meantime, she says a booster shot of any COVID-19 vaccine is helpful as Canadians head into the fall. Mia Rabson, The Canadian Press, Ottawa. So many people waiting on the specific one, holding off and getting a shot. And, and that's why you throw that little bit in that, hey, folks, any shot is good. Yeah, we, we know that, Brock, but we've been hearing and waiting for approvals to happen because people are saying, all right, if I got mine in June, my, 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 you know, can I get this one in, in October? And no, will it be here? Well, we haven't approved it yet. We're waiting to see. Then you've got the, when will it first get here? The supply chain. Yeah, it's it's really a balancing game, and we're learning so much different um, information, and it all seems to be coming at us at one time. And it's like, wait, what? When? When is this supposed to be uh, to be taken? I just love the fact that they have specific ones to target uh, specific, you know, strains. I think this is fabulous. I think. People need to trust in our in our health um, um, sector and just know that they're doing the right thing and that they wouldn't just roll something out, you know, just for the sake of rolling it out. And that's part of why, Kelly, it takes so long for these things to be approved because they don't just want to arbitrarily be like, oh, here it is. Let's put it out there. Well, uh, I, yeah, I, I mean... I do always say, isn't it interesting that we usually wait, and once the U.S. does, we're a week or two behind, right? And again, you, you want to know what your other countries, the partners are seeing, what everybody's looking at, and look at everybody's data before you give a thumbs up and, and confirm. I, I know that's what a lot is said, but people waiting, and we get the buzz, we get the talk, just would like some definites here, folks. That's what we're after. A lot of medical thing I want to get into quickly here. In St. Louis, neighborhood groups are tackling the opioid ap- uh, epidemic by putting free doses of Narcan inside old mailboxes. The idea is to provide anyone who's suffering from an overdose with a life-saving dose of Narcan, the drug that wakes people who have overdosed and lost consciousness. The mailboxes will also carry test strips for fentanyl and informational brochures about treatment and recovery services. Advocates plan to install a half dozen of these Narcan stations by the end of the month. The St. Louis area is being hit hard by the fentanyl crisis. The black mortality rate from overdoses is 50% higher than the regional rate. Kent Martin, ABC News, St. Louis. Brock, obviously, whatever we're doing or have been or our line of thinking over the years about any narcotics, people, how come they're on it, um, you know, all the different things, we we have to turn it on its ear and we have to figure out how can we assist, how can we make available and accept that yet yeah, people are going to be in the position that this is going to be used. 
these things are going to happen, such as people overdosing, falling asleep and needing that, that we got to get them awake. Um, I know we have to have that shift to thinking a different way and accepting it's not going away using our old conventional methods. We do. And I actually got an opportunity to do a course, not this year at the CNE, but a couple of years ago when I did it. And they did a course on exactly this and handing out Narcan for people to help individuals in modes of crisis. And living where I live, this is really important to have on a regular, just because you never know what you might see and when. I know as a blind person, I would just, there's so many times I, I would love to be able, if I've gotten a situation where somebody was in trouble around me or I came across a situation, that, of course, that's a little more accessible for me um, because there's so many things you think, oh my gosh, always Brock, anyone thinks, what would I do? We'll step aside for a couple of moments, folks. When we return, it's Thursday, and Michael Fair will be with us. He's going to talk to us about the new course he's been preparing to teach that starts next week. Class is in. Mike fills us in in a moment. Mentioned earlier, you might want to reach out to the program, and you can do that in a few ways. You can reach out on Twitter at AMI Audio. Helps you follow along with what's happening on the program. You can see the tweets, segment to segment, and of course, ask your questions on Twitter at AMI Audio. And uh, also, if you want to, folks, give us a call to reach out to Kelly and Company directory, directly, and we can hear your voice, 1-866-509-4545, 1-866-509-4545. Mention it's for Kelly and Company, if you would, please, and give us your permission to use your message on air. If we can, we shall. 1-866-509-4545. Feedback at AMI.ca, if maybe you just have a question about Accessible Media Inc. or any of our properties over here, you can do it that way. Feedback at AMI.ca. Kelly McDonald here with Brock Richardson. It's time for our weekly chat with Michael Fair. Let's bring him on. Hi, I'm Mike Fair. iPhones, iPods, and iPads are everywhere, and they're doing great things for the blind. We explore all that, plus audio entertainment, dramas, podcasts, internet radio, and games. We share it all on Kelly and Company. Well, there's still a little bit of summer left, thank goodness. However, next Wednesday, there will be a special course we'll be starting. And Michael Fair has been preparing to teach and tell us all about it. And he's here to do that today. Michael, welcome to the program. And what is the Unseen Touchscreen course about? Well, basically, the idea is that it's based on the the book I wrote, uh, Personal Power, Getting the Most from iOS as a Blind User, as a totally blind user. And uh, that's the whole idea. You don't see the iPhone, uh, but it's all about how to get the most out of it. So it covers everything from uh, you know setting it up from scratch, if you have to do that while blind. Yeah, that's possible. You can. Uh, it also covers uh, voiceover, iOS, uh, which apps are accessible in the App Store, how to get apps in the App Store, uh, shopping, games, communication, uh, the economics of using an iPhone and owning one, that sort of thing, the, the uh, ecosystem you're in, 
and how it works. So we sort of cover all of that in, in the course and uh, in different lectures. And hopefully it'll make uh, my, my real goal with this is to make iPhone users, you know, people who are blind, who own their iPhones, I want them to get the most out of their devices. And I want them to be hopefully, you know, kind of good citizens of the, of the online world, you know, and, and sort of encourage that as well. That's awesome, Mike. Really cool. Nice name too for it. Um, how did you decide to do the course? Well, I had been attending uh, some GTT sessions. It's a get-together with technology. Kim Kilpatrick and David Green of the CCB are leading that, uh, Canadian Council of the Blind. And uh, I've sort of been answering questions about iPhones during these tech groups on Zoom. You've and, even done some uh, podcast stuff with them, right? Yes, I've, I've uh, done a number of, of, the, of the lengthy sessions on various aspects of iPhone and iOS updates and things and new features as they requested that. So, uh, and that, of course, has helped make the guidebook uh, better as I wrote it and also added a lot of, of very much needed structure and connection uh, to, the, to my weeks. So uh, I've, they approached me. Uh, Kim actually asked if I would be willing to do a course uh, based on the book for people who found it just hard to learn from the straight book and wanted someone to you know, ask questions of and, and hear talk about uh, in, in a, a slightly different way. So I thought, okay, I can I can do this, you know, and and uh, started working on the lecture notes. I'll need to keep myself on track. <laughs> and how will the course be constructed then? Well, uh, the first uh, first week on uh, uh, so it's, uh, September seventh, uh, every first Wednesday of the month, I'll do a lecture based on one or two sections of the book. So most there'll be two sections in one lecture, uh, if if they're suitable for combination. If they're, they're kind of one of them might be briefer than the other, uh, easier to cover. And after that, the lectures will be about maybe ninety minutes tops, and uh, there'll be at least half an hour or more for questions after. So probably you know they'll be a little shorter, and then that leaves more time because it's it's from one to three uh, on Wednesday afternoons on the first and third Wednesdays. So the first Wednesdays for the lectures, the third Wednesday is for tech help and general discussion about apps, about different things that people might be trying themselves, doing with their iPhones. I don't want anyone feeling that they have to wait until I cover something because it could be months, you know, while we get to it. So, you know, I, I want to encourage everyone to explore their iPhones and sort of provide that help. And that will also uh, make it of interest to more experienced users as well. So I don't, this is not just for pure beginners. Michael, for the people listening to Kelly and Company, between 2 and 4 p.m. Eastern, what if they cannot attend a lecture they're interested in? <laughs> well, uh, it's not like I'm uh, taking attendance or charging, you know, putting demerit points on them uh, or anything like that. So they can uh, either get the podcast of Kelly and Company later, of course. That's an option. Uh, but the other thing they can do, of course, uh, is, is listen to the, the course will also be provided as a podcast and uh, by the the GTT group, uh, the CCB is going to do that and record the sessions and uh, provide it to the podcast so they can hear that later. And they also have my book, which is free to everyone. And they can email questions to me. So between all that, I don't think anyone needs to be sort of left out or left behind, even if they can't attend, like this, the live sessions might fill up, even if that happens. Don't feel left out, you know, take, you know, look, look out for the podcast and uh, join by email, join in by, you know, where, where, how you can. And I will 
attempt to answer everyone's questions. And how will you incorporate changes to iOS and accessible apps, which wasn't covered in your book? Yes, there will be lots of that. Uh, you know, I'm starting this on the very day that Apple is is unleashing change on all of us with uh, new iPhones and new Apple Watch. I'll have to catch up on that presentation afterwards. I'm so used to doing hearing them live, you know, and hearing Tim Cook give a spiel. I'll have to sort of <laughs> dive in afterwards. And so that'll make for a very busy Wednesday. Uh, but we will be covering all the, the uh, as new changes come to iOS, I'll incorporate them into the course as we go through. And, uh, you know, that will, uh, you know, obviously over the two years, I'm projecting about a two-year run for this course as we get through all the sections of the guide. And uh, there'll be another couple of changes to iOS uh, potentially in that time frame, depending on, on how it syncs up with uh, the new releases. So if we have to, we'll go back and, and cover things. Uh, there's no sort of firm end date for the course. Right. So we'll keep it going as long as we need to sort of get everyone up to date and cover what we need to cover. Wow. Well, as you navigated putting your book together and now this, it's it's it, like you said, Michael, because of the ever-changing landscape and, and it just takes so much to do and so much to be thorough. So how will people know what the lex- next lecture will cover next month? Well, they can join the uh, email list, uh, the GTT uh, at uh, ccbnational.net. Uh, if you email that, uh, you can uh, uh, get in contact with them. They will uh, hook you up with announcements and uh, what you can do then is you'll be informed. I'll put announcements a week, uh, like uh, probably a, a one or two weeks ahead, just to keep people on track. Plus, the the order is heavily influenced by the guide. So you know, in, unless you know things really come up to change that, uh, it'll roughly be in order with with uh, some sections combined. So it, uh, keep track of that. If you join the announcement list, then you will get the. Uh, you know, the, the announcements as they come out and you can keep up to date with, with what the next lecture uh, is going to be. And then, of course, the third Wednesdays are always more open forum. So I probably won't sort of reveal ahead of time what those right. are going to be like. And they could, they'll, you know, first priority will be given to any questions people have about what we covered last. But after that, it's all open forum. We'll, we'll, I'll talk about apps. I'll bring some topics like that to stir discussion. And we'll cover whatever people are doing at the time and try to help with what they're digging into. And and with this capacity, you don't have to worry about size. You can take as many people as you can for the lectures, of course. And then uh, for, for the other Wednesdays, the discussion, people have to will take their turn anyway. So so you just have to weed your way through. And as you say, Michael, we're talking, you know, quite a while. There's no end date on this. So when you were asked originally to do this, how long did it take you to say yeah, because, I mean, I'm sure you went away thinking, okay, if I'm going to do this, which glad to help out, love talking to people about it, how do I put it together? In what way and, and where do I start? Yeah, well, we had a, a discussion about that at the end of, of their uh, calendar, like of their of their programming before they went off for a break for the mm-hmm. summer. And, uh, you know, we kind of bounced the ideas around a bit and discussed uh, what they wanted out of this course, what they wanted from me, basically. And, uh, of course, you know, it, it seemed like a, a good idea. I thought I could do it. And also I, I would, it sounded like a good idea to not have to sort of update the guidebook necessarily right away. Right. Yes. But, but keep, you know, current with what's going on and help people 
deal with what changes happen and as we go through this and especially god forbid if we go into another lockdown or things like that happen uh and even if we don't i mean the world is so fragmented and changed the iphone is going to be so valuable in either situation that uh hopefully we'll get people up and running and really know what they're doing with these powerful tools you know the thing that that stands out to me in all this is that I'm one of these people that likes to be hands-on. And I recognize when I say hands-on in this case, it's not, you know, you're doing it online, but having someone to go through and ask specific questions rather than, as you mentioned earlier, going through a guide and, and reading it on paper. It's really nice to hear things for people that are auditory learners, hear things from someone's mouth versus words. So I personally love this idea. I, I know that you're very thorough in everything you do. So looking forward to hearing more about it. You mentioned earlier, though, Mike, uh, that you're not really going to take attendance. You're not really going to hold demerit points, anything like that. But will there be any sort of monetary cost associated with this course? No, it's it's actually you don't even have to be a member of the CCB to attend. Uh, so it's it, they've really made it open to uh, to anyone interested uh, as much as their Zoom facilities can, like they, they, there's a, a, probably a limit on how many people can attend the lectures at once. Uh, so there's, uh, but they, of course, if, if uh, people feel like becoming members, there's lots of other things that the CCB and the, just the, even the GTT section of it offers. So people should look at their uh, site. There's a link in the show notes, and uh, it, it, you can go to their uh, uh, site. And uh, read up on, on all the different things that, uh, that they might be able to help with, see what else they might want to offer, how you might be able to contribute yourself, uh, either financially or otherwise. You know, I'm, I'm sure they, they always appreciate expertise as well. So there might be other ways uh, that you can, uh, can pitch in and help this group sort of gain its footing and, and help people uh, you know, in, in various situations. So uh, they, they've been around since 2011, the GTT section has. Uh, CCB is a much older than that, so uh, that, you know it's it's an uh, established group and it has uh, things in place already. And this is a bit more recent. 2011 is when the GTT stuff started, but that's a while ago now. And uh, so you know they're they're always looking for new initiatives, new ways to uh, to help people out. So uh, this is great. I, I'm happy that I can uh, pitch into something like this and uh, and hopefully do some good. Uh, in in a bigger cause than, than just my own. Absolutely wonderful. Mike, always great catching up with you. Look forward to hearing more of your wonderful segments next week and beyond. Absolutely. Got lots of, of audio and, and tech coming up. We're in back to school time now, so lots of both. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much. The Unseen Touchscreen course begins at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, September 7th, you can find contact information on the show notes at the Kelly & Company blog, ami.ca slash kellyco. And Michael Fair will be back with us next week on the program, as he is every week. And Brock and I shall return in a couple of moments. It's time to get into that late summer gardening work, our gardening segment coming up as we talk all things gardening with Susan Kearney momentarily.
were just uh, had Michael Fair on talking about the new course that he is uh, going to be teaching with lectures and, and feedback and stuff like that, all available through the CCB, uh, get together with technology. It's phenomenal to me to think about putting something like that together. That And you know you really don't have an end date. You, you know, and again, I, I know Brock. One would say, well, what does he do every week on your show? And I, I understand that. But when you talk, of course, when you talk about having the component of lecturing, when you're talking of knowing where to start, and of course, we heard these uh, reflections with him talking about as he was putting his book together. It's pretty, it's pretty momentous. Yeah, it is. And I um, meant to mention last week that uh, Mike Fair is always very, very, very thorough. And I said it in the segment that, you know, I, I'm an auditory learner. And so reading a guide is not my strong suit. And I can know that there is you know, others that are in the same boat. So I really, really appreciate what Mike has done on this program and also far and beyond. He is the right man for the job, no doubt. Well, and knowing what, well, I, you can't possibly know what each individual, their best way of learning, like you said, auditory, visual for those who can. Um, but even just knowing what I don't need to teach, what they will learn as they use the different devices and based on some of the things that the, some of the devices give you just that little bit more power to do something else. So really great, Mike. Fedora's off to you. Uh, good luck with it. And, and for those of you out there wanting to get involved, that, that'll be a lot of fun. Maybe you'll be able to settle back and listen in to Mike talking during the lectures from your garden. But speaking of gardens, let's bring Susan Kearney in. Hello, I'm Susan Kearney. Join me on Kelly and Company to learn about the joy of gardening by using touch, taste, I think people will find themselves, though, turning Mike down a little bit through that Zoom call because they'll have the bird sounds, maybe the wonderful smells of that garden in the late summer, Suze. Oh, boy. Let's talk about those familiar sounds in in the late summer garden. And with that, to make sure you can enjoy them, those tasks that also come along in the late summer in your garden. Where do we Absolutely. begin? And, where do we begin? And welcome. We're going back. to be. Thank you. We're going to um, begin at dawn, and uh, and the sounds of the uh, morning doves, and oh, you really only hear these birds uh, when it starts to cool down. And I, I love the sound of them. They uh, they they sort of they're very quiet in the morning. I, I always. Coo. I'm amazed in the morning, and it's, it was something that I remember as a child. I, I would ask my parents, and a lot of time I'd ask other people, and they didn't know what I meant, Suze. But the echoey noise in the first yeah. thing in the morning that outside makes as the birds start chirping. And it's taken mm-hmm. me years to at least even come up with a theory as to what that is. I'm assuming not all birds, just like people, don't wake up at the same time. So you may be no. hearing more of a spaced out. There's less noise. And the birds you're hearing, there's more echo versus when the sun comes up. I used to, as a kid, man, yeah. I had the theory that, oh, it must be the different layers in the air heated up by the sun that makes the sound that's, different. That's interesting, and it could be. It also could be where the birds nest right. um, because they, uh, they they nest in different areas. Uh, and and the, uh, the, the morning doves tend to... Uh, first start uh, uh, under like un- under bushes, under hedges, mm. and then often you know, they'll go up onto a roof and and call. But then you don't hear them after the sun really comes up, uh, or the sun is coming up. There's light, 
but um, they, you don't hear them after that, which is very interesting. I, I, I absolutely, and yeah, um, the late summer when you hear them. My next one is going to be the cicadas. Everyone oh, yes. loves, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the cicadas in, in, in the garden. That might drown out any any course that anybody would be teaching. They um, <laughs> make a tremendous amount of noise. Michael will have um, to stop and say, "Hey, by the way, any cicadas <laughs> out there drowning me out? Shut up!" <laughs> Absolutely, of your own, because they are very loud, and and they're just little things. And you think, "Wow, how could something make such a a, a loud sound?" But I, I, they really are late summer. Uh, like I, I think of a late summer lazy afternoon when they're they're out there, so you're not doing any tasks, you're just sitting listening to them. Mm. They're very noisy. Wow! Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they really yeah. are. And it's interesting yeah. when we get on the time of day, the heat uh, in their case, or mm-hmm. in the morning with the doves. How long will yeah. the doves stay around? By the way, oh, in that you know, sense of I mean, what, hearing them mainly in that time of the day. Um, I I usually. Um, stop hearing them uh, any time after the sun has risen. So you may hear them, you know, early, like quarter to seven, seven o'clock. Um, they sort, they they start, and then um, they then really once the sun comes up, and I think the sun is coming up around. Oh, I don't know. I I should know the the times because uh, my my little dog gets up exactly at sunrise, um, <laughs> and and that's why we're out listening to the doves because the she is clock. up at. Yeah, she she is the sun alarm clock. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. My next um, sound in the garden only happens once. It's not a continuous thing, but we tend to get these uh, lovely flock of birds, little birds that come to our garden. They came last week, and they land all over the garden, and they are picking up um, bugs and and grubs and seeds all over the garden, and they make a tremendous amount of noise. And then around um, in the late afternoon, they in unison, they fly up into the trees. They're still chattering away. I guess they rest. We, we have thought that perhaps we're in um, a, uh, like a, a flight path for migrating, um, these migrating birds, uh, whatever they wow. are. Um, That's they're, a, they're wow. Small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they come every year, and I, I would, and only only one day. That's it. They're here one one day, and then they fly off somewhere else. It, it's it's rather cool, and I'm very happy because they actually clean up a lot of the little grubs and the bugs and stuff in our garden. So they're very useful, very noisy, very useful, and I would suspect they're probably dropping. Um, seeds of other kinds in, into my garden and things will grow the next year that I may have to pull out or w- don't know what they are um, that came with these birds. But it, it's, very un- it's very unique and, and I, I love hearing them. And I'm often you know, very, very sorry if I um, actually are out that day because I never know what day they're coming. Sometimes they'll come in late September, sometimes in late this, like this year, late August. And um, one year they actually came in early October. I guess it depends when they start their migration, which is also an interesting, that's also interesting, um, why they would start migration early, something they know that we don't, uh, maybe that we're going to get into cooler weather sooner. My next one is calling Blue Jay. And... He um, streaks across the sky, call, calling, and this is usually around 
um, later on in the afternoon, too, and he's calling for the fall. I absolutely love listening to them. It, it is a fall bird. I think about um, about the Blue Jays whenever they, they, uh, they call out. That is a, um, a fall bird. And then the, the wind rises uh, around that time, so we hear it in the trees. And then, of course, at sundown um, and when dark falls, it is the um, choir of the crickets, which is uh, another late, uh, late summer sound, which is actually very restful, put you to sleep. It's nice. And that certainly is the restful sound of crickets. I mean, you, you tell your, uh, you know, your, your assisted device that you're going to sleep. And usually it ends with crickets because everyone yeah, absolutely. associates yeah. that with, you know, nighttime. For me, mm-hmm. so I'm just fascinated by, as you're talking, this. it's like a whole process. This happens then, you know. And and all the animals know their place in the chain of, you know, yes. the the gardening world. It's just it's it's amazing to think that all these creatures sort of come together to make a you know succinct sort of plan, if you will. I, yeah, I really absolutely. think that's cool. Mm-hmm. It is it, it is cool, and it's it, it's amazing every year, no matter how often it has happened in my life. I I'm still amazed by it. Still love it. And do you have like an absolute like favorite portion, or do you just like the whole the whole process altogether? Oh, the whole process. I I, I like I, I like all of it, and it, it's interesting to to know um, when um, things may start earlier um, in one year, later in another year. As I as as you said, that that the 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 creatures do know. Um, they they are tuned to to the environment they are tuned to um when they have to do what they what they do and uh yeah they're they're tuned to it so some sometimes as i said it's late summer sometimes more early fall but uh yeah it it always it's and it's a cycle yet the yeah. same clock still falls in place it may yeah. be later right. it may be sooner but the still yeah. clock is adhered to yeah absolutely yeah yeah and, and they know and they, absolutely they're all different creatures. That's the thing that mm-hmm. you know fascinates me. It's not it's not one species. It's birds. No. It's bugs. It's everything yeah. that makes absolutely. it all work as a as a one rounded process. Yeah. And that is absolutely yeah. amazing. It it is. Mother Nature's amazing. She, yeah, it is. Yep, that world is amazing. Anything else you've got for us? Well, and 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 of course, in, in now the. Um, the, the bees are getting lazy, so they're they're out in the they're out in the garden. Um, so n- now, um, and and very lazy, very um, they they land on you when you're trying to do any task, and um, and and le- and then I I don't t- even take um, I don't even take my tea out into the yard and, and like at this time of year uh, because they they'll land on the cup <laughs> and I never, know, you know, I never know when they're there. So um, uh, yeah, I yeah they're. they're you know, they're they're starting to get tired this time of year, and the light is is um, is is fading more during the day. They've finished a lot of their tasks. A lot of the you know the the plants are closing up, so the pollen. So yes, they're they're and the nights are cooler. So yes, they're becoming lazy, and they're something to watch out for in, in the garden um, right now. And uh, the the different tasks that um, picking up. Um, I've been picking up a lot of 
you know, the uh, the plants that are are going my tomatoes um my tomato plants are going so they they have to be taken in soon taken away soon uh, i think there's about six tomatoes that will probably ripen hopefully mm-hmm. soon in the next week or so and uh, a lot of the herbs i'm gathering a lot of the herbs and trying to get them dried or frozen put into the freezer or cooked up in something that, yeah a lot of that so those are tasks too i'm doing tasks as long as as well as everybody singing in the garden and uh, all the different <laughs> choirs, it's nice. And it it carries into obviously the again we go back to the uh, clock reference. In mm-hmm. September there'll be other tasks that that are there that yes. fall in all the way up as we spoke oh, to you last year until yes. October and even into yep. when when frost starts being mm-hmm. on the ground. Oh yes, absolutely. And this year I hope to be planting garlic and that will, uh, again, I didn't last year, but I will this year, hopefully. And that will be in October as soon as it gets very cool. Plant that garlic and um, some of the other bulbs in September. Oh yes, there's still a lot to do in the garden. Mm. Would you, would you say, okay, now that we, we always get in about the best part of the summer for harvest, when do you find you're doing the most? And when is uh, the one that I like to know about the most? When is the garden smell at its most, uh, at the, at the most? I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say June and July uh, as when the garden smells the, the nicest. Um, that's because it wants to attract all the pollinators, mm. all those flowers, um, anything that's scented. Uh, right now, um, you can you can smell a lot of the herbs. Of course, they're drying in in the sun. They're they're actually out there, and you can smell that. But usually, for for flower scent, um, that is that is early early spring in into early summer. And your harvesting is now pretty well, or yes. late July through, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, late July. Well, yes, I've been harvesting pretty well. Uh, yeah, late July, August, um, even into September, I'll do some harvesting of some of the herbs depending on what you know what still looks good in the garden is the way wow. I put it usually. Glad it's all spread out for you, Suze. We'll yes. talk to you yes. in a couple of weeks here on the program. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Our gardener, Susan Kearney, tune in for those chats every second Thursday here on Kelly and Company. Up next, the Canadian Adaptive Climbing Society creates and provides the opportunity for people with all abilities to have access to climbing. We're going to learn more from our friend Terry Hodna next on Kelly and Company. Thanks to Brock. He's provided us a couple of audio vanity cards this week, Tuesday and Wednesday. So you can check that out via the Kelly and Company podcast, the full show podcast. You can simply subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. And while you're at it, folks, give us a rating and review if you have time. You can also listen to the show in segment form in case you have a contributor that's your favorite and you really want to just check them out. Go ahead. Maybe time's a little short. Do it that way. Subscribe to the podcast. You may have a segment. This one coming up. You might catch halfway through and say, hey, you know what? I want to go back and listen to that again. Do it via the Kelly and Company podcast available to you using your favorite podcatcher. Kelly McDonald here. Thank you for being with us on Thursday. I'm at the home studio in London, Ontario. Brock Richardson at the home studio in Kitchener. Rock climbing is a sport that requires skill and muscles. And it's a sport that people with or without disabilities can take part in. 
Joining us now with more details is Terry Hodnot, a member of the Canadian Adaptive Climbing Society. Terry, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about this wonderful sport. Oh, thank you for having me on. Can we start, if we could, by talking about how you yourself got involved in rock climbing? Well, Brock, it's kind of, it was a funny coincidence. A neighbor of, uh, of myself and my wife asked us to go try rock climbing one night just for a, for a laugh. And we went to Junction Climbing Center here in London and we tried it out. And it, it was, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal exercise, of course. And it, it's a mind and body uh, kind of a workout. We were hooked. My wife and I both were hooked after the very first try. We went back the very next day and signed up for a two-week belay course, which qualified us both to be belayers so we could belay one another in climbs that didn't have what they call auto belays. And from there on, we were hooked. We went three days a week uh, all through, except during the pandemic when it was a little closed. But other than that, we've been doing three days a week for almost four years. So I... uh... I, Terry, when you first talked to me about going and just, you know, the, how when it caught you, grabbed onto you, I was a bit surprised because I thought, oh my goodness, you know, you Terry, like I would have thought this something you, you tried a long time ago and maybe were interested, had done it, wore it all out and everything like that. So it's, it's amazing to see when something you try grabs a hold of you. Uh, for the listeners who may not be familiar with the sport, can you explain how rock climbing works? Sure. Uh, rock climbing, it, you, you're harnessed in, so it's an extremely safe sport. People think of rock climbing as really dangerous. Well, it's, it's actually very safe, especially the kind I do, which is called top rope. So you're harnessed in, the harness comes around your waist, the rope is attaching at the front. There's literally two connection points and almost no damage. You might fall off a hold and bang your knuckles on the wall or something, but other than that, it, it's a very, very safe sport. The climbs are rated from... 5.4 to 5.14. Now, the 5 simply means that it's a vertical climb and not a slope. Right. The other mar- marking after the point is how difficult it is, 4 being the least, of course, and 14 being the most difficult. Uh, when you're talking about a 4, Kelly, you're talking about something that's just like a ladder. Yeah. Like it, it's very simple to climb. And, and I think you've tried it before, have you not? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we tried it on Blindsided, and it was uh, it was fun. It was fun. We also tried it as a tryouts uh, week event uh, for Kelly and company. Oh, excellent. Well, we um, I'm actually part of, of uh, another group that just started here in London called Rise Above, and it was started by a friend of mine who's also a fellow climber. She's been climbing for years, and then she broke her neck in a home accident back in 2021. So she was, has, she has some paralyzed uh, mobility in her lower, lower body. She can't use her legs very well. And she decided to get back into it, even though after her accident, she had a hard time before she could even walk. So this is a sport that she is very, very passionate about. And she wants to show everybody that anybody can do it. You can be in a wheelchair, you can be on crutches, you can be blind, you can be deaf and blind. It doesn't matter. There's a part in rock climbing for everybody. And she was passionate about it before her accent, right? Very much so. And I think when she did break her neck, she didn't think she'd ever be going back to it. But now she's just, she competed down in the uh, World Cup in uh, Utah back in May. And she met all different disabilities climbing at the uh, disability climbing down there. And, and she was just overjoyed with how welcoming they were and, and the fact that they made it work for everybody. 
And so how many different types of rock climbing is there specifically? Well, there's there's bouldering, which basically you don't use a hardness floor. It's lower walls. In our gym, for instance, the boulder walls are 15 feet high. You would climb. They're bigger holds, and it's all free climbing, and then you, you either climb down or you drop down to these huge padded mats. I'm not a big fan of that because I don't like falling and not knowing how I'm going to hit. Uh, <laughs> on the rock walls, there is top rope, which we do, my wife and I, and it's a rope. It goes up over a, a, a sort of a reel at the top, and your belayer hauls in the slack as you go up. So basically, if you fall off, you're just hanging there. There's lead climbing, which is the same kind of climbing, but you're climbing free and you're hooking into these hooks as you go up. So if you fall, you only fall maybe six feet. And then, of course, there's the outdoor uh, trad climbing, which is the crazy people that climb with no harness, no anything, and just climb mountains. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now let's get into the, as we touched upon, Terry, uh, the, the, the diversity out there of people with disabilities that are climbing. And, you know, this really becomes that thing that you can do just as much as anyone else in a way that works best for you. But what is the Canadian Adaptive Climbing Society all about? Well, it's all about getting anybody, the Canadian Adaptive Climbing Society, we kind of got wind of them in Toronto, and they're trying to get different people in to try to sport because it's just becoming known to the disability, the disabled uh, community, really, Kel. Yeah. The first national uh, disabled climbing is going to be in uh, Coquitlam, B.C. in December. I'm actually going to go out and climb in that. I'm making my, my run for the Olympics at almost 60 years old. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm doing it for fun. It, it's it's a, an awesome sport, but this is going to be our first. Um, you know, we have people who are totally paralyzed from the waist down climbing. So you, you've got to imagine how strong their upper bodies have to be. We have people who, uh, a good friend of mine who also is in the rise above Jeremy, he has one amputated uh, leg from the knee down. We have another gentleman who I met who was down in the world cup. His, uh, he's told, uh, partially blind. He would be a, a B3, which has a fair bit of sight. And he found rock climbing, um, few years ago and he's very very passionate about it so we have all levels of blindness we have all levels of disability as far as mobility goes and anybody's welcome i love it um what kind of equipment is required if you decide to do this that's the great thing brock it's really unlike hockey or something where you spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars rock climbing you can start with a pair of climbing shoes and a harness that's all you really need. If you go to a gym, they have the ropes and everything there. You can learn how to climb. Um, your harness, they run around $150. Your shoes, well, they can range from 100 to several hundred, depending what you get. But for a couple of hundred dollars, you're basically outfitted to climb. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Really great. And like you say, it's that, that time in the, in, in the facility where you have so many different types of climbs, ways, so one could not necessarily get, oh, I've done this one 40 times this year because there, there's <laughs> quite a diversity. Um, Terry, let's talk about diversity, though, because you guys have an upcoming event in London here in September, uh, later on, I think the 24th. I'm going off the top of my head. Tell us yep. a little bit about yeah, this. Right on the money, Cal. It's the Rise Above, and it's at Junction Climbing Center. It will be 6.30 to 9.30 in the evening. Uh, there is a sign-up if you go to Rise Above website, riseabove.ca. Uh, the cost is hopefully $20, but if you can't afford it, you can sign up for zero. It's, it's, we just want to get people out to try it. 
For instance, visually impaired people, we have headsets, so they will, when I'm climbing, my wife will wear the other headset, and she will call the holds to me if I want to do a specific color because there could be two or three different climbs on one rope, and they each have a different color in the gym. Now, when we climb competitively, Kel, that's different. There's only one yeah. climb on the wall, so whatever you get you, can, you is fair you're, game. You're a fair but, game to use it. Exactly. But yeah. in the gym, there could be two or three on a rope, and they change. Our setters in the gym are amazing. They're changing the climbs all the time, so it's never stale. Nice. Uh, but that uh, night, it's going to be at Junction, a great time to come out and try the sport. You know, I've, I'd love to see some people come out from the London area or anybody who else wants to come into London and after the uh, climbing is done, Cal, there happens to be a brewery right next door. Oh, my goodness. So oh, you'll be climbing into a few of those uh, uh, those <laughs> pints, I know. Wow, that's amazing. Terry, with, with you going out in December, I'm, I'm kind of curious about this, and we'll quickly in a second give um, really what you guys need if anyone wants to you know, let you know they're coming out there, and we'll, of course, uh, keep track of the, the information. Will you get a chance in December beforehand? to take a look in any capacity, is it worth it to, to, as a blind person to see where you're going to be climbing in any way? What would you, before the competition begins, w- want to check out? You can't, the, the thing with a competition climb, Kel, is you can't see the climbs ahead of time, whether you're right. sighted, blind, whatever. They will not let you in to see. It's kind of a, you go in, you try to climb blind, so to speak. It's, awesome. uh, it's called a beta when you, when you see a climb and just and do it. Uh, the one in December, we go out for the Thursday, Friday for qualifications. Uh, that's for classifications, I should say. So they put you in B1, B2, whatever. Saturday is a qualification, and Sunday, Sunday is the competition climb. Um, I don't know how much participation is going to be. I'm hoping there's quite a bit. It's, uh, it's becoming more and more well-known, and it's going to be an awesome first time. Sounds very, very cool. Uh, we loved having you on. Can you very quickly just tell us how people can get involved, just very quickly? Certainly. Anybody who wants to take part that night can go to the riseaboveclimbing.ca, and there's a link there where they can uh, actually sign up for the event. They are also welcome, Kel, if there's any issues with that, to call. Uh, they can actually call my number because I'm, uh, I'm one of the event coordinators. So my number is 519 519- Four three two eight three one nine, and you're welcome to pass that along. Uh, anybody who cannot afford the twenty dollars, that is not a deterrent. If you're interested awesome. and you're going to show up, definitely contact us. Awesome, thank you so much. That was Terry Hodnot talking to us about Adaptive Climbing Society. As he's a member. In the next hour, we'll check in with our friends from CNIB Smart Life. We have the weekly roundtable. But up next, Bill Shackleton. Time for the buzz. lady I spoke to about what fashion means to her and she is a fashion student and also she has weight loss and she said when she's picking out something that gives her strength and power she gravitates to a leather jacket because she loves the way it feels leather has strength and that gives her a sense of power that's her armor as she called it fashion is just the story of your life it has nothing to do with sight Kelly and Company sharing your stories
Welcome back to the program. It's hour two of Kelly and Company, wherever you're listening and around the world. Thanks for being with us. Maybe you're checking us out at AMI.ca. You can listen to the stream of, of AMI-audio right over there. We're glad to be with you wherever you're hanging out. Maybe remember to drop us a message. Say hello. Uh, Brock, on Twitter, at NeutralZoneBR. I'm at AMI Kelly Mac. Um, so Terry asked if I had ever tried rock climbing and we did it for blindsided and uh i couldn't you know i had the support i had the belayer i could not relax i remember my belayer and i wish i had had the headsets because basically i was just doing the free climb grabbing onto what i could get but then of course my producer at the time would say wait wait we can get a good camera shot of there let's see your hand advancing onto there what and I'm hanging in midair trying to do these things and stuff like that. So I didn't really have that true, true, real experience of it, if you want to say it that way. But I also, Brock, couldn't imagine leaning back and letting this poor guy, you know, as he's, he's with the cord, with the uh, rope, um, you know, be responsible and, and feeding it in. I couldn't get it around my head that he was just fishing it up, you know, taking whatever and taking this line. But when I leaned back, I thought, if I lean back, I'm going to end up pulling that guy up and over the top and killing him. So I I, I, I found it pretty stressful, but I, I tried intellectually to understand it and get it. But boy, what an experience. Did you Did you ever try that? I did. When I was much younger, like 14, 15, I tried it at camp, and the, the thing I remember is learn is learning about muscles that you didn't even know existed, and it was like <laughs> the next burn, day, the pain burning right? in places is like, where did that come from? But yep. it was so much fun, so much fun, and uh, you know, I miss those days since uh, my motor vehicle accident. My body just doesn't allow it, but it was always always fun to wow. be involved in camp. Oh, these folks doing it and, you know, disability or, or or not, they're right in there and enjoying themselves. And I love that story Terry shared, that, you know, being not sure she could continue to do it after her accident. Uh, Billy, we heard about that, didn't we? As Bill Shacklin returns to the program with the buzz, we heard all about, oh, you didn't know you had those muscles, did you, Bill, back in school? Yes, and the one thing about rock climbing that I understand, sort of understand, is that it takes a lot of trust. You have to trust your teammates that you're, you know, they're going to help you if you get into trouble, right? So a lot of it is based on trust. Oh, I love I how think. Terry mentioned how safe it can be, though. You slip, you fall off, right. you know, you're not going to go too far. Even, you know, in the ones where you're, you're not, you know, the six feet um, and, and the different choices. I, I, I think that was just tremendous. Folks, check that out via the podcast, by the way. If uh, you missed the segment, you can go back and take a listen to uh, Terry chatting about uh, the adaptive rock climbing. Bill, where are we yes. starting? Where are we going to start? Well, I think we're going to start with this one. Canadians rely on best before dates, even if it means if it causes food waste. CTV News brings us this story. And it's interesting in Britain, they are they have some major department stores have just have started to remove the best before dates on on some of their foods, not not dairy, of course, or or some meats. Um, but but essentially, there's there's a lot of confusion when it comes to best before dates. It, it you know, there are foods like meat and dairy and baby formulas that basically you have to you know you have to you do have to do the best before dates. But there's a lot of stuff, packaged foods that will last much longer. And basically, we in Britain they figure they can save thirty percent. Um, 
you know, of, of, of over up, you know, in, in 2030. So that's why there's, they've started to do this to, re, to remove this best before dates. Um, in a survey in this country, a thousand Nate Canadians were surveyed and only 20% want the labels removed and 15% would buy something if it didn't have a best before date. And it's it's really and I really think we have to educate, um, change our attitudes. I mean, here we are trying to save the landfill, save the environment, and we're throwing tons of stuff away. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it, nope. and because we go by the best before date. A couple of weeks ago, we had this discussion because sometimes it seems as if people get confused. They do with the date as to, that's just when the food's the best before. It doesn't mean it spoils yeah, after right. the third because the date's on it, or it goes yeah. bad, or you better throw it out, or you'll get sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And opposed to say the expiry date, which means if it's certain foods, you have to you have to do after the expiry. You have to you have to eat them and throw them out. So we got to change our attitudes. I think we all sort of get caught in the best before date. In that, if it's past that date, it's like, oh my goodness, yeah. no, we gotta gotta put that out there. And it's like, no, no, it's not like that. And I, I think people sometimes, myself included, because I'm, you know, it's like, oh no, it's best before that, so I'm not gonna touch it. But it, I would rather that it just not be there and just, you know, use your use your senses and realize whether something smells a bit off, looks a bit off, whatever the sense is you have to use. And I think that's important to do. Yeah, and and then maybe feeling the product if you can. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, um, we it's something definitely to be a little, you know, you, just to have the right verbiage because we, and there's other things like that that we mislead people that way, right? Uh, next thing, sir. Next thing, here we go with floppy disks from Japan, BBC News. Floppy disks in Japan, um, digital minister declares war on old technology. This is interesting. Now, when you think of Japan, right, you figure that they're really progressive and, and, and forward about, about new technology. But apparently, there's well over 100 um, government departments in Japan that still use fax machines and still use, uh-oh, the floppy disk. Oh, boy. Um, so to put that into perspective, it would take over 20,000 floppy disks to, <laughs> to, put, to put 32 gigabytes on, on a memory <laughs> stick. It's oh really amazing. Goodness. Wow. That, wow. That really tells you that now – there's there's actually a reason for this uh, poor digital literacy, which again I find kind of strange. Poor digital, you know, Japan would be upfront about computers and technology and stuff. Um, the other thing is that a conservative culture means that they're sticking to their old ways, and yeah. the minister. Go ahead. I lo I loved using the uh, floppy disks in school, and it was I don't know what it was, but it was always that sound of like the the click when you knew it was inside the computer yeah, and the little right, right. like yeah. and, and now you mean the, 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 the yeah uh, the, or the I should 
I should just rely on you for the noises. That's I. Sh- I yeah. shouldn't try. Sometimes it wasn't but- a pleasant noise if something happened to the <laughs> disc. You'd get the. <laughs> he didn't like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's, then you. Then you'd get a. Sorry, my disc didn't go in. I my homework's not saved. Oh, it was yeah. scary if it didn't come out, especially if the label peeled. Yeah, right? I know. If yeah. it didn't come out, um, you, it's it's. I don't know. I mean, it. I think I find this a bit of an oxymoron. And what is really interesting is, the previous digital minister admitted that he didn't even use a computer; that he couldn't. He relied on his staff. To, to get all the tasks done because he didn't know how to use one. I mean, how could you possibly be a minister and not know? But what can you say? Yeah. And do we have a third one today? Uh, we do. Portuguese man finds a dinosaur in his backyard. And apparently this is kind of interesting is that a man in Portugal was working on his property and he found a dinosaur that was well over 300, 300 million years ago. They figure that those, this is, they found ribs, they found skeletal remains. That's where he started. They found fossilized bones. Wow. And uh, yeah, he, uh, they, 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 he contacted um the port somebody in portugal and basically what happened was they, they just they dug and they found this old dinosaur dinosaur which could be the oldest living one in europe i wonder if he gets paid for that i don't i wonder i mean it's ongoing right? so did they're you, still did, digging really did you say living one no <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i thought you threw the word living in there i was gonna say now bill you'll you'll really start a panic it'll be war of the worlds all over again <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think the oldest. Yeah, the oldest. Yeah, the oldest. Body. You know, oldest yeah. bones. Yeah, bones. Yeah. Fossils. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. When and and especially, it sounds like it's relatively complete. That's what kind of throws me off. That's really cool. That is really something else. And we can only think how many parts of the world where these exist and and are are in places that we haven't discovered. Thanks, Bill. Thanks a lot. Bill Shackleton, he'll be back tomorrow for the final edition of The Buzz, uh, the Friday edition uh, as we swing open the gateway to your weekend. So, okay, I got to say this. I didn't think you were old enough to remember floppy disks. You know, and and I was going to say, yes, yes, I am old enough to remember floppy disks, excuse me, but it's... uh, it, yeah, I I am. And when I was in late elementary school, that's that's when they were around grade four, grade five. I remember my teacher and everything else when I used them. So I remember they had the three inch, right, which were more solid. The five inch when when I was in school were really the epitome of the of the term floppy disk because you you could have some problem. I mean, and they, none of them were just like totally hang from your fingers and it droop or anything like that, folks. If if you haven't really experienced other than seeing a picture, um, but the three three inch were a little more solid. And of course, what we turned to as we started the march to make things smaller. That's for sure. As mentioned, Bill will be back tomorrow uh, to begin our second hour with the Friday Buzz. In a second, folks, we'll check in with our friends from CNIB Smart Life. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to Kelly and Company. Brock Richardson hanging out with me today here on the program, getting you through your Thursday edition. I remember using cassette tapes for some of the accessible uh, equipment. Um, you know, floppy disks, uh, the 3-inch, the 5-inch, and also using the cassette tapes to save to. And these were incredible, Brock. Mostly, you know, as we talked about the method, it's the time, you know. Hold on. I'm going to save this. Okay, good. And, and you were suggested to do that every 10, 20 minutes so you wouldn't lose your work if the electricity went out or if your battery died. My one unit, uh, one of the computers, the VersaBraille, when it died, it went, it was the loudest at full volume to make sure you didn't miss, I've died, the battery is gone. It was, a, it sounded like a bad video game from, from something. <laughs> it was something yeah. else. Boy, the, the methods, the, the equipment, and we look at things today. And I like Billy's analogy, how much it would take to save 30 gig now, like, you know, in the way of, uh, in the way of this. So really incredible stuff, folks, as we return to the program. Kelly McDonald with Brock Richardson. It's time to check in with our friends at CNIB Smart Life. CNIB... Uh, Connecting the Dots 2022 conference is happening in October. We're joined by Wayne Henshaw, who goes by the title of Agent of Change and is a part of the CNIB team working on this program. He also is part of the steering committee bringing this to life. Thank you so much for joining us, Wayne. Welcome to the program. Thanks very much for having me, everyone. Can you start by giving us a little bit of background on connecting the dots, if you would? For sure. And, and uh, as many of our listeners will know and, and our community members, the, uh, uh, the Connecting the Dots conference actually started as, a, uh, as a, uh, the Braille conference for many years. And only in the past three years has it been re-envisioned, if you will, you will excuse the the play on words there, into the connecting the dots. And what we're really looking to do uh, is engage with that wider community across uh, a multitude of of activities, whether that's uh, education, uh, technology, and employment, right? Um, So yeah, so uh, in 2019 was the last one that we got to do uh, the conference in location. Kelly, I I recall uh, you and I were were down at that conference together. Uh, And uh, this year, after after all the COVID, we've decided to go with hybrid. And we're going to do a bit of, of in-person, uh, but also recognizing what, we, what we've learned over this past time, we want to ensure that, that we have a, an element of virtual. So we're, we're doing uh, the hybrid conference, which is some of it will be uh, in-person uh, at three locations across Canada, and some of it will be uh, virtual in nature, allowing for our uh, participants to connect wherever they may be across mm-hmm. Canada. Yeah. Wayne, so many people, I'm sure, got so addicted to having that at their fingertips, if we want to say, with the computers uh, over the time of, of the pandemic and, and not missing out, it, I'm sure they're going to be craving that, uh, you know, hybrid, as you speak of, for, for this year. We had a great time. Um, I, I met some great robots there. I was waiting for you guys to have them employed working this one uh, for, the, for, the, for the in-person part because we saw so many different things. And I have to ask is it the technology or employment that you feel gets the most buzz, the most people uh, engaged and involved in? 
So Kelly I, I, and Zenbo was our was our little companion That's there, it. Uh, in 2019, right? So uh, <laughs> yes. for sure. So so actually, uh, Kelly and team, you got to come back because this year at the in person, uh, our friends at Ontario Tech and Sense Tech are going to bring us something new uh, in robotics companions. So I'm going to tease you to make sure you come out and visit us. They were so talk cool. About, <laughs> they're going to talk about how Zenbo has totally evolved and and. I'm going to put the teaser out to you. Think about uh, even a, as guide dogs, right? And, and we're we're in the middle of uh, we just started uh, guide dog uh, access uh, awareness month here in September. Uh, but uh, as I was talking with the folks at Ontario Tech, they were saying, "Well, Wayne, what about uh, a robotic companion, not to replace what a guide dog can do, because they don't believe that's in the near future." No. But what about what about what it could do to help train the handlers, the potential handlers, the future handlers of, of guide dogs, so that they can and learn. Hey, did you remember to take your your buddy out for uh, a walk, or remember to feed them today and give them that report back as part of that robotics and interaction piece? Wow! So wow, come on great. out, Kelly, and and see wow. what uh, see what we've got here. That's going to happen there. That's just one of the pieces that's going to be in uh, going on here uh, at the conference this year. Whoa, so again, that's we, amazing, we, Wayne. That really tackled is tackled it big. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's amazing. It'll help people out, and and I think the robot piece was. So many different things, ways we could go with it. So, all right, continue teasing. What else can we experience at, at, at the Connecting the Dots this year? So I, I'm going to focus in the three pillars uh, that we that we continue to focus. So let's talk about education. So we're not losing our roots, right? Braille is still a very important part of, of our community and part of of how we continue to uh, access uh, and learn. So so we actually have some uh, some uh, elements of the of Braille coming into the education session, right? Uh, and, and looking at that, we also have some uh, some uh, inclusive coding uh, solutions in the classroom. Uh, to involve and, and, and ensure that our community members are able to participate in STEM. So that, that's uh, some great things being done with the University uh, uh, University of Toronto and as well with our own research team uh, here with uh, Mahadeo Sakai and, and folks. On the technology, I already teased you a little bit about uh, how I thought I would get you to come back, uh, Kelly. Uh, but uh, but uh, we also have the Apple team coming out to talk about their new iOS 16 and, and oh, the nice. functionality that's going to be available. We have the Microsoft team that's uh, that's coming and, and talking about their uh, their accessibility solutions. And then we have applications for 3D printing. So how do you think about 3D printing? And, and everyone goes, oh, 3D printing, how can we all get involved? I happen to, to play on, on Friday nights. I play in a board game at a board game cafe. And, and the, the dungeon master that, that does the game it actually prints out these characters, and I can tactile feel that, oh, uh, that character nice. that I'm interacting with. Yeah. Right? So, so that 3D printing is not just all about employment or, or education. It can certainly play into that, but it's also about inclusion, right? And, and how do we move forward? So, so that's, again, another teaser. And then not to, not to take away from our employment, because that, that is my agent of change. That's, where I, that's what I focus in on right here. So we have folks coming out to talk about their experience and the transitions from education to employment. So we call it transferable transitions. How do we build transferable skills through our educational experiences that are in demand and continuing to be in demand in the world of work. How do we talk about uh, individuals and organizations? We have one uh, uh, channel or discussion that's talking about Moneris and me. 
And the reason that we, we you'll hear a lot of things about uh, enabling me or accessibility in me uh, or accessibility includes me uh, is that the theme of connecting the dots this year is all about limitless horizons. So it's not that we want to put uh, restrictions on ourselves. We want to encourage those limitless horizons. Let's dream big. Let's go after the things that we are interested in doing. Absolutely. Um and there's, there's more. There, I, I'm oh my stop goodness! There, but there's more. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and we can check that. Out. You can give us the website and all that in a bit. Uh, Wayne, when it comes to either one, I, I cut you off of answering the question I had originally started with because, and I'm curious, what do you find with bringing up the employment and technology? Where do you think people seem to be most interested? What's the biggest taker there that that people show up for all the time? Whether it's uh, getting work or or technology. Yeah, I think it's about how can technology enable the person for success at work. And it's not just the person from our community that is using the assistive technology or the technology that's available to them, right. but and how employers. the individuals that are doing the recruiting can actually uh-huh. be more involved and learn and, and be aware of how to better set that individual up for success because they've come in, they've got a great resume, they're, they're coming in. So how do we ensure that we don't set them up for failure, that they're set up for success? So that to me, that the people are after, hey, the educators and the, and the vocational providers and the employers are looking, what is the technology that can enable people for success? As we're going out and looking for those great talents, uh, not just the current talent, but the future talent. When you talk about this, like I just have in my head, I have this big, you know, mammoth thing you got to put on. What's it like for you to help organize such a conference like this one? Uh, It's a. It's interesting because I've been involved in it now for three years as, as, as part of the steering committee and, and in creating it and then bringing it to life. So recruiting and designing it, and it's about. Uh, just uh, and I've heard many people say this uh, from our community, from the vision loss community, but that says, "Hey, just because I am a person with vision loss doesn't mean that I don't have vision, right?" Uh, so, to me, it's taking that vision of what we can do, those limitless horizons, and turning them into reality, and hearing and feeling the experience of of individuals that are going through that and realizing. I didn't know that that the robotic companion could do that, uh, that could help me learn how to become a, a good guide dog handler or the uh, technology that they're looking on. Like we, we use Zoom and Teams and all these other accessibility tools to connect in virtually now. Well, wouldn't it be great if those tools actually enable individuals and so some of the some of the activities that the the universities and, and 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 the technology players have been doing is how do they incorporate that into their solutions into the teams into the zoom into the facetime so that uh and i think we've heard even from the apple team where their new virtual reality uh goggles are going to be able to see where a person uh when they when they uh have emotional reaction to what's going on in virtual space it can actually transcribe that back to the person that uh, that's consuming that uh, as we go forward. So for me, it's about, that's what jazzes me is about seeing our potential and not limiting ourselves in our minds, but going for the potential. I want to be this, so let's go for it. And knowing that we have our friends, whether it's technology, whether it's people who now notice and pay attention. Wayne, we got a couple of more minutes. Let's talk about how people get involved, get to these amazing events and, and enjoy them. 
Awesome. So, so the, the big piece I would uh, leave with everyone is go to cnib.ca and on that uh, splash page, that initial page, if you tab down uh, four times, you will actually come to the register page. And right now until September 18th, we, we are basically saying, hey, register now and, and we're, we're giving half off the price. So someone to come out from the community, uh, it's 10 bucks. Uh, for caregivers, uh, uh, staff, and volunteers, it's 25 bucks. And for the general public, this isn't like a $200 conference that we're going for. We're charging $45, right? So come out and support. All the dollars that we raise goes back into the programming. So I would say to you the best way, instead of giving you like a, a, a catchphrase and everything else, just go to cnib.ca and take advantage of the early bird and sign out and come on out and come say hello. Just sounds so amazing uh, when you think of all this being put together. It, it's wonderful when you have these conferences. Do you have a favorite part of the conference that you, you would say? A favorite part of the conference? Yeah, like what's the thing that out of all the things you've talked about, what's the one thing where you're like, this is, this is amazing? So for me, uh, it is the networking piece that uh, occurs as people come out and start experiencing, whether it's virtually or in person. It's when uh, I, uh, I get the opportunity to work with a number of talent and, and colleagues across Canada as part of the CNIB. But then seeing those individuals from the community that I'm a part of as, as, a, as a person with vision loss myself, uh, seeing those individuals, hearing those individuals go and have their interactions with others and seeing how they've come from in some cases i may have met a person that says hey wayne i just stay at home i don't do i don't go out much right uh, uh to now going out going to a conference or, or logging in and participating in a conference and bringing their their skills their passion to the table to say hey this is why you need to be considering me because i have the skills love i have it. the passion i have the experience absolutely love it wayne thank you so much uh, for sharing this great conference with us that was cnib agent of change wayne henshaw cnib's connecting the dots 2022 which is happening in october a lot of fun folks please don't miss it there's so much to enjoy and learn about really empowering coming up next the weekly roundtable reader matt spears joins us and yeah yeah uh, folks there is the hint of sports in the air Isn't it convenient that we have a round table? Well, it's actually oval. Just say it. The blind guy feels it now. Goes, (laughs) I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. Folks, we've get that chance now to gather around the, uh, of course, virtual round table. You can see that with the virtual glasses that Wayne Henshaw mentioned in the last segment. That's for sure. It's right there. Those of you who got the glasses on, see them? See them right there. Uh, We gather together. We sit down, I pick out a few things to talk about. It's an open conversation on a variety of subjects. And uh, today we invite in here to join Brock and I, Matt Spears, as he joins us. He is, of course, one of our readers on the network. Now, one of the great things, Matt, about having you on today is to get an idea where people can hear you because we just yesterday started the new AMI-audio schedule. So uh, any changes? Where are you working? Well, for me, most of it is uh, pretty much my routine is the same, but I think the uh, you can find McLean's on, is it the mornings now? Yeah, we were just well, saying, three times a day, right? 
three times a day and uh, I'm on the walrus every once in a while when they've got something uh, that uh, suits uh, fits me is a good read for me. And then this week and next week I'm on the Globe and Mail. Okay. Well, that's amazing. Oh, yeah, filling in two over there, right? That mm-hmm. is uh, that is wonderful. Uh, the buzz. I mean, there seems to be quite a buzz. We've talked about with the new schedule. We had Andy Frank on here the other day, manager of AMI-audio. And the fact that so many people out there have shown the interest in the reading shows, in hearing a voice read to you these stories. Uh, you know, I think so many screen reader users get kind of used to our technology doing it, but you'd never lose that wanting a, a human voice narrating a book for you or reading full-length articles or any kind of news. Um, so this is, this is a real bonus to you guys and seeing that the, the audience has spoken. It's amazing how far screen readers have come since, since I started volunteering. And I remember hearing you use Jaws back in the day at lightning speed, and <laughs> hearing that. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but that's, that's good information <laughs> too. Brock, did you understand Nothing. what it said? <laughs> and I never have, and I never will. <laughs> that was the uh, the grocery specials. Yeah. Uh, no, but um, yeah, nothing really replaces having a person read that article. It's um, there's just something special about it, and something a human can do that a screen reader never really can do. So uh, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. I enjoy it. And, you know, uh, having that connection with people too is important, I think. Well, and it's really for you guys as, as readers over the time and valuing, valuing it. And I remember a lot of time people asking, do we get much feedback on our reads and stuff like that in the sense of the, the listenership when I actually over, oversaw a department and put packages together and trained uh, readers to people who wanted to volunteer to come in and read. And the, and we didn't. We, we The sad part was we knew we had those people out there who really valued the service, but the audience was not a feedback audience. So it's really tremendous to get that feedback through the surveys, through any way they can, Matt, and, and be able to give um, AMI-audio, AMI-TV, AMI-tele, any, any of the services, some direction. Yeah, and how many members are on the panel now? Oh, 1,500, I believe. 1,500, yeah. On the it's listener al- panel. Always, yeah. always great to hear uh, people's feedback because it really is, it, it informs what goes on the air. And, you know, the, the, the audience is obviously the most important uh, part of the service. That's why we do it. So if anyone has uh, thoughts or opinions or feelings, uh, reach out and you can get on that panel. Yeah, Marketing would love to hear from you. Feedback at AMI.ca, <laughs> folks, and they'll sign you right up. Guys, let's start with the Blue Jays. Matt, what is this team? What is this team more clear to you today as what they are as they were in April? Or less? That's a great question. I, I was actually at the game last night. It was the first time I'd been to a game in three years, I guess. Wow, I didn't yeah. didn't want to go last year. I didn't feel 100% comfortable, comfortable the yeah. year before they were in Buffalo. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly think, like, if you look back through the history, all those teams in the late 80s, that the way they ended up at the end of the year, you look and you say, oh, that's a good season. That's a good season. Like, last year... They had 91 wins, but it felt frustrating. I don't, maybe, maybe it's just we spend too much day to day, and there's maybe there's too much information because it, it feels like they had a good team at the start of the year. They have a good team now, but when you ride those peaks and valleys up and down, 
the 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 roller coaster you're just like you want to get off sometimes because you it's maybe it's too much maybe that's what it is there's we, we we feel too much we get sometimes as fans we get way too into it and uh you know and you look back at these last three games they won the series but they felt like they should have done more but mm-hmm. I think we're still reeling from the California series where at least we would have liked to seen you win the series. But I also think we get fantasizing about what could have happened. We 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 should we should be six and oh on this homestand, you know, heading into a series with Pittsburgh that we should get most of those games too, Brock. I think as fans, we write the ending before the series starts. We look at a team's record and we say, Well, this team is X number of games under 500. So therefore, because we're 10, uh, you know, games above it, we should just cream them. Well, the truth of the matter to all this is that even though they are, air quotes, weaker teams that we're playing right now, they are still professional baseball uh, players and they want to win too. And being a spoiler is, um, in my opinion, as as a former athlete, is easier than a team that has more expectation on them i don't know what to make of this team they're about as clear as mud to me when we go uh you know we we come off of a you know a road trip where we only lose one game and then we we lose you know the entire series against a team that if we're looking at record we should have never done mm-hmm. and we we've just wasted a few really good pitching performances by our starters, and then the bullpen comes in, and it's like, wah wah wah, like it, you know, like it just, it just, it's, it's really upsetting as a fan and as somebody who now reports regularly on sports. When I put the Jays down, I just kind of shake my head and just go, I don't know what we'll be talking about tomorrow morning, but we'll talk about it, or in the afternoon, depending on when I'm talking about it. But it's, it's frustrating as a fan, and man, those peaks and valleys can be real steep. As a fan, I I find um, teams like the Guardians who break out of the box, they go. There's too many teams right now that have been playing with nothing to lose, which makes them incredibly dangerous. A lot of teams program themselves because of the hype of the Blue Jays through the winter, through the stoppage of play. We come back to play. They're ready for the Jays. The right-handed lineup is detrimental. We kept hearing, well, yeah, but they're, they they know how to hit. They're gifted that way. Obviously not. You're putting so much pressure on your pitchers, your starters, to, oh, my goodness, I gave up a run. How the heck are we going to get that back? And then people want to execute the, the, the bullpen for coming in under the same stress, coming in with, well, the base is loaded. This is what I'm supposed to do because the starter left it this way for me. There is never an easy way of doing it. And, of course, you what are you going to say to people? Well, why don't you get up there and do what you were doing last year when nobody really, or the year before, was planning for you? Did you feel that in the crowd there last night, Matt? Were, were people still enjoying their, was last night loony? No, Tuesday was loony dog night. Yeah, the, the Tuesday. Dollar. Yeah, were people still enjoying it? Because a listing on the TV sounds like good crowds. It was a great crowd, and it's a beautiful night. The roof is open. It feels like fall. Yeah, you can't you can't have a bad time, I guess. Um, but yeah, Mitch White giving up all those mm. runs. Like I, I, we looked up second inning, and he he was at. 40 something pitches through the first two innings and you just think well they're gonna have to drain the bullpen either way 
yeah tonight yeah but um no, the the crowd was good. I went down to the uh, the flight deck. I'd never been down there before. Oh, that's wow. that's fun. Gosh. The, it the game just looks different. It sounds different down there. Yeah, that that was pretty cool to head down there. It's going to be a real different place when they do uh, the renovations in those areas of the stadium, especially when when people are hanging over the bullpens. When you have those open areas, the 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 as they call it, the 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 areas for people to go and hang out, have their drinks, their food, and it feel like uh, a patio experience. It's really going to be something else, guys. Uh, Matt, I want to start with you on this one. Uh, Richardson probably doesn't really know much about the upcoming topic, but also I'll start with you. Um, if you were putting together for AMI Audio a, a sports video podcast show, how would you shape this 50-minute podcast in the way of what you would do to get said podcast out? What would you love to see and hear? Wow, that's... That's a tough one. Well, first thing I would do is ask you and just write down everything that you think. And uh, I would be... <laughs> awesome, wise choice. Very good. <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess... Uh, well, my, my main interest is um, baseball, obviously. But you'd have to have a wide variety of sports. And you want to have the right mix of, uh, of different kinds of sports. And you obviously, uh, AMI, you'd want to have a um, focus on... Um, uh, the uh, para athletes as well, and uh, different um, different sports that are out there. I always thought uh, the sledge hockey was pretty uh, pretty fantastic when you when you check that out. Um, I don't know, yeah, like a I guess you'd want to do a mix of um, topical stuff. Um, yeah, you know, timely stuff enough where timely. It, where it stays evergreen because sports is just changes right over right so quickly. Mm-hmm. Moves yeah, along. And then, and then you'd want to get some in-depth feature stuff because I, I always enjoy um, feature feature length, whether it's an article or a podcast. When when a really good writer can or presenter can dig in and find some interesting stories, I think that's that's maybe where I would I would start. Yeah. After after just listening to whatever you think would make make well, a good show, what would you think would be the well, for me? You start? gotta you gotta have some great headlines and some things like that to lead it off. Again, the evergreen thing comes into play. Some great uh, para athletes that that could come on, or or people who are really connected to the para sport world, and then you really want to keep those who are really interested in their mainstream sports. Involve, give a little bit of your highlights over like what happened on the weekend, maybe something real particular that's coming up, a retiring tennis player maybe. But I also would put in place a producer and a host that's a former Paralympian. Like, uh, mm. well, Brock, you what go. do you think? You might have some ideas. Yeah, I just took down all the notes that you just said for uh, good. for for the 50-minute podcast. It, you know, it's, it's, um, it's funny because even – putting together a live show as we've done for a long time, we've had to change the way we've done things, you know, two, three times and we're about to embark on yeah, Andy something, Frank. something new on that. <laughs> it's okay. He just, he wants to see how, how, uh, how versatile I am and how nimble. flexible I am. <laughs> nimble. That's, that's a good word. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, and again, Matt, you were just talking about writing down what Kelly said. I've got to give credit to Kelly because Kelly was the one that started us with the headlines. And that seems to have just gone over really, really well. We've added Twitter poll, which we're not going to you know, miss on the video podcast. It's just been a wonderful mixed bag of things that we've been 
afforded to be able to talk about and we've had some pretty uh, high profile guests over time and look for that to continue you're keeping uh, that right the forward. twitter poll absolutely yeah absolutely okay. good that's great because it's a great gauge of people checking it out listening in and uh as we talked about earlier, Brock, good luck. It's exciting uh, with all the video podcast content. But sports is that challenge of of staying evergreen enough for a few days for people to get to it. But it'll be awesome to have you guys out there smiling and, and away I, talking sports and having fun. And YouTube is a whole different platform. Oh, for sure. Uh, as, and, as Andy mentioned, it's the most, you know, clicked thing in, in the media world for podcasts and videos. So we're opening ourselves up to a whole different world that we have not yet tapped into. Well, as Matt was suggesting, I know quite a bit about this stuff, so I'm going to even help you out. Let's go with an evergreen question <laughs> you can ask in one of the upcoming podcasts. If you were commissioner of the CFL and could do what you want to do to improve the league's standing, what would you do, Matt Spears? Oh, if I was the commissioner... And I'll leave it to you to take it the way you want. Like when I say league standing, get more butts in the seats, or uh, what would you do to shape the season, move it forward, back, uh, so that it could be competitive. Would you eliminate a Toronto team altogether or Montreal team because <laughs> audiences are pathetic? <laughs> I, d- I don't know. Um, maybe they, there uh, needs to be another um, team out west because in, in some spots in the country, CFL's where it's at. That's mm-hmm. uh, out in Saskatchewan. That's that's they're the main the main thing out there. So maybe that's what you do. You lean into some of the underserved markets. I definitely don't think you want to uh, leave Toronto out of it because that's that's a good time out there. I don't know if you want to add a team in Halifax. Maybe that's too far for travel and things. Like I'd that. love that. I'd love a that team out be, there. It really. Yeah. You know, I know they've tested it. Um, Montreal, I think they can recover and do something with. I, I'm not sure about Toronto. Richardson, you go to those games. Uh, I Toronto is such a uh, now be a nice. None of that, that language. I don't, I don't even know what to do with. It's so sad when I, I went to a game this year and I was with uh, Cam Jenkins, who also is part of the neutral zone. Uh, and they don't even sell tickets to a level like the upper bowl. And it's because there's just no Good interest. In and and that's where you just look over and it's like there's a whole section that's empty. So if it's like you're a London Lightning at, basketball game. Close those upper seats. <laughs> yeah, right? It's, I think if you're talking about the East, I think you're talking about needing to do something, a ticket drive, a – like something significant to make people come i i I just i mean if you if you were gonna ask me and say you know what rule would you change i would and i know the traditionalist is gonna yell at me but i would say make it four down oh for goodness sakes i I know you are are too close to toronto man i I know (laughs) buffalo bills sellouts and and i agree and i agree with matt when you say like put something out west like Make it more of a West-driven league because those people are crazy about their CFL football. And get rid of Ottawa. I'm get sorry rid to of that downer Toronto. Come on. But you can't get rid of Toronto because they oh, are yes. the the mecca. But but I just they've got to do something. Well, something. so much for your neutral zone listeners out west that just say <laughs> it isn't the mecca. Never mind. <laughs> 
Maybe London needs a team. Oh, no, London's garbage that way. That is one thing I'll tell you. I'm surprised basketball has existed as long as it has in this city. Uh, This is the the real hockey town, you know, that's for sure. Matt, of course, thanks for being with us on the roundtable. We'll do this again. Thanks for having me. Matt Spears, you can check him out on AMI-audio, and he backs up the gang over there on the Globe and Mail show, and you can hear him reading up and down the AMI-audio schedule. And the new schedule is out, so do check him out and uh, catch him when you can. Brock and I shall return and wrap up today's show after this. Remember to check out our content via the podcast, folks. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. You can listen to the show in segment form or the complete Kelly and Company podcast experience. While you're in there, if you don't mind, please give us a rating and review. That's the Kelly and Company podcast. Search it out and subscribe now if you don't mind. Brock Richardson, Kelly McDonald, hosts of the program today. Got an email from Margaret, who we uh, had here was the Margaret Show uh, on Wednesday on Kelly and Company. Uh, she says, hi, you two. Brock, I too am an auditory learner. I think it's nice when you can listen to a human explaining concepts or demonstrating techniques. It seems to me that mostly we get most of our information from someone on a TV program, a radio show, recordings out there, uh, or some other form of an automated message. There's nothing wrong with that, Margaret says, but sometimes it's nice to hear someone in person what do you think brock yes and it goes off of what i was saying and for me to add to that it's it's getting the response directly from the person you can't get a direct response from somebody on radio on television but if you're doing a course and somebody is there live in living color whether it's virtual or in person you can get that immediate feedback, which sometimes in other mediums, you don't get it, and it's harder to get. I think sometimes, and Matt Spears mentioned it with how far screen readers have have, have come, I think it's that understanding and the clarity of the voice. You know, like I, I think people think it's wonderful we have a screen reader to help us out to read the screen. But there's nothing like having that clarity of your teacher, you know, telling you something or explaining something. Uh, Even if you're more of a visual learner or you have to read it, it's still nice to have that person tell you things so you can either answer questions or even if they're just reading it to you, that you can follow along and have that clarity as much as possible. Now, again, sometimes (laughs) sometimes we read. And I know I do it. I read and sometimes somebody, oh, geez, I'd rather read that, man. I couldn't really make make it out with some of the stumbling that, that, that I might do or whatever. And that, we can have that problem too, uh, but definitely always wonderful. Thanks, Margaret, for the email. Brock, would you give us a heads up? What's going on tomorrow at 9 a.m. On the mo- in the morning on uh, AMI-tv uh, with the gang over at Now with Dave Brown? Yes, so tomorrow is the weekly news panel, and they're going to be... Uh, discussing the uh, Green Party leader, um, uh, Elizabeth May, vowing for uh, leadership once again. They're also going to be discussing the uh, proposed national mental health crisis line. And so that's going to be a really good conversation as well. Michael McNeely, their film critic, ahead of this year's Toronto International Film Festival, will also talk about that. 
Okay. Sounds great. I was getting a lot of emails from the film festival people when I used to get accreditation when we'd go down and shoot stories for AMI-TV. And it just always seems to be such a variety of things happening. And they're always trying to do better, especially with those panels and stuff. So good stuff over there. Great show. 9 a.m. in the morning. You can also catch them as a podcast if you can't catch them on AMI-TV. Brock, it's been absolutely wonderful working with you this week on the show. Yes, it's been uh, wonderful working with you as well. And I always love Kelly and company and what we get to do. And it was nice sharing the same studio space. And uh, we look forward to doing it again in the not too distant future. And folks, remember, you can check Brock out on the Neutral Zone video podcast starting a little later in September. You can also catch him out, uh, up on daily just after 10 o'clock in the morning Eastern time doing sports on Now with Dave Brown. So do uh, check him out and enjoy. And remember, search out and subscribe to the Neutral Zone podcast too. Uh, or like, like I mentioned, check out the video podcasts. On tomorrow's show... Margaret Weldon will join me. She'll be bringing us the latest lifestyle headlines. John Beeler will be here to talk about Starlink and T-Mobile's new partnership. Uh, This is going to be very interesting as they're wanting to connect mobile phones to satellites. Our content development specialist, Sylvie Faquette, will all be bringing us her report on the program when she's going to be talking about culture days as they arrive back in the country in September here. Bill Shackleton returns with the Friday edition of The Buzz with Bill Shackleton, producer here at AMI-audio. We'll talk all things audiobooks with Ryan Huey when we have the chatty bookshelf. And we'll wrap things up on the program with this week's edition of Cut for Time. Matt Agnew and I will preside over that tomorrow on the program. Hope you'll be back with us, folks. Have a wonderful night. I'm waving at you. One of the most difficult things for me to do as a host of a, a variety talk show is kind of make sure I don't let myself get carried away in the fields and areas that I enjoy. So this week we have Brock Richardson co-hosting on the show, Mr. Sports. On the roundtable, bring Matt Spears in. We always love talking a little sports with him. And there are so many others that work behind the scenes at AMI-audio and AMI-tv that enjoy sports. So when I'm, you know, working on the show, it sometimes get very tempting. Oh, pops up Jeff Ryman when he's been in with us, and it's so easy to slide over. However, when Rum is with me on the show, you know, you do, just like when I pick the news clips for segment one, you think of stuff that she's going to be able to respond to just as much as myself. That makes for very bad audio for us both to be, or either of us saying, uh, duh, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, it's one thing when we say, you know, let's kick this around, talk about it, but throw our hands in the air at the end of something and say, I really don't know. I don't know the solution or I don't know why people would do that. That That's one thing. But when you put your co-host in that position of turning to them, so what do you think of that great stuff with the uh, Baltimore Orioles? Um, isn't an Oriole a bird? You know, and that's all the person has because you haven't armed them correctly or it's just kind of out of the sphere. Now, some people might say, well, you guys are supposed to know a little bit about everything. 
but we also know that's a crazy reality that that doesn't exist. We we want to give whether we know. Okay, I know the Baltimore Orioles are a baseball team and the Ravens are the football team. Even if you know that, you want to feel that what you're going to contribute is kind of cool. Is something is a different take on it. No one wants to sit there and uh, I have no idea. And as a, a host of a show that we have a lot of different things, and I fall into this category with gaming. I don't really game a lot. Um, it's not something I've ever really done a lot in my life, but it's something many of you do. So it's something that I've got to be a part of just as much as run with sports. And we adversely have to remember when, okay, that's enough sports because our listenership, you guys out there, the company have a variety of tastes as well and have your likes and dislikes. I remember when we created the show, that was one of the things we, we, our mantras is, well, you know, if people tune in for their favorite segments, that would just be wonderful. You know, we felt that obviously the show is not going to have every day something for everyone. We hope, you know, we, we plan it out and we hope that people will want to come in and listen and say, hey, I didn't know that, but that's kind of cool, even if I've never been into that. Um, but it is one of those tricky things that we really try to have a nice mix. We think we, we get there. And I think with the response we get from you folks, we feel that we're, we're doing things or on the right trail. So, of course, it's a big thank you there for your tolerance, indulgence, and um, and we'll keep delivering. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.